Welcome to the 1CA Podcast. This is your host, Jack Gaines. 1CA is a product of the Civil Affairs Association and brings in people who are current or former military, diplomats, development officers, and field agents to discuss their experiences on ground with the partner nation's people and leadership. Our goal is to inspire anyone interested in working the last three feet of foreign relations. To contact the show, email us at capodcasting at gmail.com or look us up on the Civil Affairs Association website at www.civilaffairsassoc.org. I'll have those in the show notes. And a quick shout out to LC38 Brand. They're offering 10% off for 1CA podcast fans. The promo code is 1CA10. LC38 Brand has a little bit of everything for the international adventurer. So check out their website at lc38brand.com. I'll have the promo code and the address in the show notes. My name is Sabrina and I am the Pix Multinational Outreach Specialist. For those of you who are new to Pix, we are an unclassified information sharing platform and we provide research mapping and a place to share products with interagency partners. That was Sabrina Barton from the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency's Protected Internet Exchange, or Pix Working Group. Sabrina brought me on to talk about my experiences with the 1CA podcast as I reach my first year hosting the show. So let's get started. So thank you all so much, and I'll pass the floor over to Jack. Good morning. Appreciate the introduction. 1CA podcast came to me back in October last year. The prior host, John McGillicott, had done it for four years, and he frankly had maxed out. His career was shifting his level of responsibilities with work and professional and educational side was wiping them out. A podcast is pretty intensive. I'm finding that I spend about 30 hours on each episode and I try to cut three to four of them a month. So the standard that I'm trying is to have one 30 minute, one that which is from either ARC archives or from a partner show archive and then to also have a two-parter. Like right now, we've got the Professor Joseph Long speaking, and it's a two-parter. I spent an hour and a half with him talking through his concepts and then split it in half so that I can cover the rest of the month. And then if we have a fifth one, then I try to do another 30-minute episode to cover that one. Now, John, his goal when I received it was to unify civil affairs, the Marines, the National Guard, the Army, reserves, the army active duty, the, the soft community, civil affairs, which I believe he has achieved. By the time I received it, I felt like there was good synchropicity between all the different types of civil affairs. And matter of fact, one of the first episodes to come in was a Marine Corps episode, which was great. And we've had a few others since. The challenge that I've seen is that one, we're not getting enough enlisted speaking on the show. Matter of fact, I've got an interview today with an enlisted soldier in civil affairs to get their perspective. And we just only have had, I think, one other who was a data manager for when the Afghans were repatriated out of the Kabul exit into the United States. And he was the, the case manager, data manager for that. And I want to bring him back because I think what he created for the Afghanis would really be great for the CA enterprise overall. Now, I have expanded the show to include diplomats, aid workers, field agents, because what I found is most of what CA 
soldiers do, especially in the reserves, is they have a, a dual role that mixes with those areas. For example, I just had uh, Colonel DeJesse on to talk about the 38 Golf Program and the Monuments Program. And he is also a cultural diplomat for the State Department. So he works around the world with organizing cross-cultural engagements to raise awareness of partner nations, as well as promote the U.S. image and brand to those partner nations in a, in a way to build familiarity and cooperation. So by expanding out our core, we can describe how both of them relate when he's working with people on the ground. That was the other shift I tried to do was to make us different because there's a dozens of foreign policy shows out there and you know you got to make it different or else it's not worth it. And I felt like our difference is, is that we have people that actually go on the ground and work with partner nation people, work with leaders, and actually can feel it. They know, they know the taste of the food. They know what it's like to walk on that land. They know what the weather is like. And to get those tips, you know, what it's really like to go to Ghana or Central Europe right now. We've got folks that are in Nepal and also in the Marshall Islands right now for a global climate and security conference. And to get those people to come back and tell their story. In my public affairs world, we are struggling with how to counter disinformation and information decay, which means that the loss of trust in messaging and news and reporting. And what that does is that opens people up to convenient opinions that kind of fit their perspective, the reality. And what communicators do is they take advantage of that. If I see that you're conservative and that you lean a certain way, I can message you to where you'll do things that I want you to do because you're conservative. And I know that if I message certain things about immigration or conservative hot topics like gun control, I can get you to lobby Congress. I can get you to protest. And that's what people do in the communication world. So by bringing in civil affairs folks who actually are on the ground talking about reality, either here or abroad, it gives an authority perspective that a lot of people are hungry for. Matter of fact, we're starting to get a small group of journalists who are following the show because, one, it gives them great leads. Having someone who just came back from Bangladesh or back from Thailand who are doing counter-PRC illicit trade and trafficking, that gives them an easy contact so that they can write a story. But also, it gives them people on the ground who can see what really was going on with the people and culture, and it, it shifts reality to more of a reasonable norm. And that's the real goal for military public affairs is to show the reasonable norm. So that's how I balance my CA and my public affairs side as I bring in communication to both promote things like civil affairs and other organizations, but also to help soldiers and other service members get a better perspective of what's going on so that they don't end up doing something crazy and get in trouble. So that's why I've tried to bring out more diplomats and field agents. Plus, since I'm in the Beltway, I've got a ton of these policy wonks that just want to get on a platform and talk. And personally, for my professional career, it's great to have them as connections because now they can call them if there's ever something going on for civil affairs that I need. Matter of fact, I was just meeting Robert Crenshaw, who's a famous World War II author. And I mentioned to him that the monuments program is being relaunched with the Smithsonian. And my goal was, if the Smithsonian is interested in doing press and media to promote their work, 
with us to bring Robert in so that he can be kind of a, a celebrity to draw more people and interest to it. So as again, my job as a public affairs, civil affairs officer is to do the combination of engagements and then broadcast it globally. So that's where I've taken it from here. And the results have been about a 30% growth in the podcast. And we are now nominated for the People's Choice Award for Government Broadcasts. Congratulations. Thank you. It's exciting. I hope we get or at least a most notable or something like that. So at least we get on the list and we get more subscribers. Uh, right now, we're hitting around 3,000 people listening to the show. I'm trying to get it to four to 5,000 because that means that we are at a precipice where the show starts to really grow. And we used to do insert advertising. We've moved over to dynamic advertising and allowed Podbean to insert their advertising and then give us money for it, which helps the the association because that money is coming from the outside into the association instead of pickpocketing in the association for money. So I hope this year that we actually break even with the cost of running a podcast. So any questions so far? We have a question, Christopher Thomas. How can we find the podcast? Oh, it's on every platform. Go ahead and just Google up 1CA podcast. It's O-N-E space C-A space podcast. Matter of fact, I think we finally hit the pace on audio, on questions, how the feel should be. Joseph Long is a very good person to interview. He's very chatty. He has a lot of interesting points. There's a retired Green Beret who realized that we have too much hubris in our soft engagements with partner nations, that we come in as a as kind of an overhanded, overbearing type of personality. And it's part of the reason that when things go bad, our partner nation forces just leave us in the field is because we haven't gone past transactional leadership to engaged person-to-person relationships that actually build that sense of cooperation and duty. So it's been good hearing from him. This is a great show. If, if you haven't heard it, to, to check it out. I think the biggest challenge we've had is getting the partner speakers and hosts to come on because the tech is more difficult than it seems. <laughs> and we always seem to have hiccups. Right now, we've got about four hosts, one in Germany, one in Georgia, one in Texas, and one in, in Arizona. And we might get another one in New York. And what that does, that really helps me out because the reason I've got a headphone on one side and not the other is I'm starting to form tendonitis on that side. So I've got to take care of that ear. And by not having constant headphones and editing and spreading the love, it's, it's been helpful. Hopefully with advertising, we get enough revenue that I can hire an editor and we really roll. <laughs> so next question. Yeah, Christopher Thomas. Um, feel free to unmute. No need to worry about not interrupting if you would like to ask a question yourself. My civil affairs company. We did a, a rotation at Germany, JMRC. So with the Iowa Working Group, the brigade didn't bring their public affairs officers, but one of our soldiers stepped up and, and role-played the public affairs officer. So we had CA, the public affairs, and the science guys all working together to come up with non-lethal targeting. And together, we were successful in helping the, uh, the brigade competition. So it's really interesting, the nexus between civil affairs and public affairs, because public affairs informs the public, and we provide information. It's just really fascinating. I think it's to strengthen those relationships is really important. One of the best jobs in the Army, I believe, is to be a public affairs and civil affairs officer. 
as a hybrid of those two skills, I get to travel around the world. And I get to go to remote locations and, and meet with folks and do the engagements, the civil engagements, assess areas, you know, help people out. But then I also have the authorities to broadcast globally. And it, it's a very powerful position because like when I was in Iraq, I was helping rebuild a library system. Not only the building in Kirkuk, but helping the librarian build a network around the Kirkuk region. So she had a regional library network. And then on the other half of it, I was able to broadcast that. And I was able to advertise and promote that in Iraq, as well as as we left, as part of what the good was we were doing in that region. And it was, it was extremely powerful. It was a great way to get things done. And so I've been advertising and promoting how civil affairs, public affairs officers have really a, a fantastic role for people who want to make a difference in the world. So if you guys know folks who or public affairs that want to come into civil affairs, it's a great avenue. And with the 38 golf program, there's one golf additional skill that is telecommunications. And I'm going to lobby them to build out telecommunications and mass media so that people like me who have run television, radio networks, done direct broadcasts, have done campaigns at the state to state level or nation to nation level can come in and actually advise. And I would love to make that a part of my civil affairs work as well. I think the the two would really complement each other. It was an American brigade combat team. It was under uh, the 18th Mechanized Division. We were able to, to bring in civil affairs information and was able to bring in public affairs information. And then PSYOPs guys were able to bring in information. What we did was we created messaging to get the civil population to move out of the combat zone where the armor brigade wanted to engage. So they chose their lanes that they wanted to engage the enemy. And we made them, the people out of those lanes so that the brigade moved through an attack. So what we did was the public affairs element would form the public of where we wanted to go, what the routes were, working with the real players that played the uh, humanitarian groups like the Red Cross and all those. So we'd work with those guys to get the information out. And then the science guys would actually work on targeting to influence the population. So our teams would just go out and find information and engage with key leaders. And the enemy OPSEC commander, he actually came and briefed us and he said we usurped his plans. He was actually trying to force civilians into the, to the combat zone. He was trying to use them to force the game to go where he wanted to go. We were able to move the civilians out of the place that he wanted to put them. So he thwarted the OPSEC's plans. So they came and talked to us he was really impressed with what we did. Yes. It's a fantastic triad. And often I hear teams that go out, grab a PSYOP and a PAO and take them with them because they work so well together. They've always been kind of that golden triangle of working in the field because you have external messaging, you have adversary messaging, and you have influence through PSYOP. So it really does work to shift the population. And that was part of the reason that the theater information advantage element was formed was to try to build out that concept into a, a formalized practice to canonize it. And then they also started bringing in IO and cyber stow space. So it's becoming a little overbuilt for what you really need for direct influence or counter influence and messaging in a theater, especially one that's intense competition. But I do see value in it. It's just when we first tested that, 
it was a little too target oriented for me. I would have rather all of those elements come in as specialists and be advisors to the staff. In my perspective, public affairs is too high on its engagement level. We never go to the battalion and work with battalion commanders. And the result is that they go to war college and they get a really thin instruction on what public affairs does and how it helps you. And then they get to a brigade or a division or joint command, and they really don't know what they do. And that's the other thing I've been working on is building operational public affairs, someone who is in the field that's promoting the whole of effort. That's my issue with public affairs. On the flip side, I think civil affairs needs more time at the joint and four-star level. And part of the reason that we keep losing money and support is that we don't have enough influence at the joint level. We don't have enough influence at the division and above and DA level. And that's why we keep getting cut and smaller and smaller is because people don't see how civil affairs is a real leader in competition. In crisis and disaster, they're critical from policy to strategy. And that would be one thing that would be terrific. And, and by bringing these policy wonks in and talking about diplomacy and engagements on the ground, at least they know what CA is. They know kind of what we do and what our goals are. And, and usually what happens, like, I'm going to bring in Dan Blumenthal, former White House advisor to China, who now is at the American Enterprise Institute. And He's going to talk about his current research on China and influence and how we're too heavy on the M and not enough on the political, economic, social, and infrastructure side of competition. And so by bringing him onto the podcast and talking about that, he's going to put that on AEI and that's going to promote civil affairs on the AEI site because of that interview. So part of that bizarre marketing strategy. But I would love to see more of that triad of civil affairs, public affairs, and PSYOP working together. Anyone else have questions? I don't know if we saw it in the chat, but we had Marcy comment a little while back that we're all together as part of the strategic communications, civil affairs, public affairs, and IO, as well as FAO, KOE, so too. Okay. I think what Marcy was saying is that basically, as we look at information and influence, you have to look at engagements and there are a palette of options out there. I just recently did a consultation with the U.S. European Command's Joint Interagency Counter-Trafficking Center on a drug smuggling ring. And they really didn't need a public affairs perspective. What they needed was an agency and intelligence coordination perspective on that one. So I had to take my PAO hat off and put on my jointness hat. But she is right, you know, and, and I think that as we get more senior in our careers, we start to see those bigger picture items. It's hard when you're new to the military. I mean, I've got a lot of captains in there and lieutenants who we had a whole debate yesterday on what a stakeholder is, <laughs> you know, and and so to ask them to understand the delicacies of cross agency, cross DOD agency and joint staff elements is is tough if i can get them to just understand what an audience is and how to communicate to them to either inform them or evoke change i i would be just thrilled <laughs> oh marcy also commented just now that she agrees on the targeting comment but that has uh useful for other reasons you know marcy you brought up an interesting point 
There is a value in public affairs and with civil affairs in targeting because most targeters do not look at the human impact. They look at killing the target or displacing the target if it's a thing, but they never think about the second and third order effects. What's going to happen afterwards? Who's going to respond? What's the political ramifications, the economic ramifications? And I just did a tour at Cybercom. I was a PAO in the three shop in their dynamic targeting and operation side. So I was working directly with the three nine. I was working directly with Intel. And the human impact is probably our most critical aspect. The second part is looking at the opportunities. The Intel side calls it exploitation. Those gaps in the adversary or in the neutral space to where we as instruments of U.S. foreign policy can advance U.S. interests, promote stability, and create new access to people we have had been denied to in the past. So targeting is important. And the way CA and public affairs both look at it, I think, can be super valuable. Well, I really appreciate you coming on today, Jack. That was really great. Um, really great to hear about your expertise as well as what you've learned from hosting this podcast. We had a really great discussion. So thank you guys. I really appreciate for you guys bringing me on. I had a lot of fun. So, you know, we'll talk about how I can collaborate with you guys in the future. Awesome. Thanks for listening. If you get a chance, please like and subscribe and rate the show on your favorite podcast platform. Also, if you're interested in coming on the show or hosting an episode, email us at capodcasting at gmail.com. And thank you again to LC38 Brand for offering 10% off to our listeners. We've been nominated for the People's Choice Awards, and this is a little extra treat for those who made it happen. Again, the code is 1CA10, and the site is lc38brand.com. And now, most importantly, to those currently out in the field, working with a partner nation's people or leadership to forward U.S. relations, thank you all for what you're doing. This is Jack, your host. Stay tuned for more great episodes, 1CA Podcast.